Welcome to Histometer, Engaging with History, brought to you by the Fort Worth Museum of Science and History. I'm Bethany Cuthbertson with the Education Division here at the museum, and I am with Caleb Laster today, and we will be talking about um, a new exhibit uh, called Discovering Treatments, The Path to Modern Medicine, which I'm very excited about because this is right up my alley, Caleb, and you know this because I have a hard time not talking about I do, yes. medical history. Um, but can you give us a, a little bit of an introduction on who you are for those who haven't heard, heard, before? heard before? Yes. Yeah. So I'm Caleb Blaster. I'm the collections manager here at the Fort Worth Museum of Science and History. I work primarily with our history collection. So anytime you see an object in the museum, I'm the one who probably put it there. Me or my or the team I work with. Um, I make sure that the objects are where they need to be. And I've been lucky enough to be able to design them a few of the things, including this exhibit that we're going to be talking about today. So, Well, we both know I'm very excited about this Yes, exhibit. we do. Uh, um, I'm kind of surprised I haven't gotten more emails from you being about like, it. hey, what's this? What's, what's that? that? Yes. Well, I have the whole list I know. Um, of objects that are going into the exhibit. So um, I've actually been Googling some things and some of them don't pop up. Like, So I've had to like go through and I'm like, oh, I've got to make a list of things to ask or just wait and honestly until, until the exhibit's complete yes. to go and see them, which I'm very excited about. Well, normally we like people to come away from the exhibit Googling things right. instead of beforehand. So That's true. You're, you're already ahead of the curve <laughs> there. The yeah. curve. <laughs> okay. So can you tell us a little bit about uh, the exhibit? Yes. So uh, Discovering Treatments is all about looking at, again, our collection of medical items, but seeing how that translates to how our understanding of medicine and how we've practiced it has changed throughout the years. Mm -hmm. um, we get, we start off a little bit earlier in Roman times mm -hmm. um, during the Roman Empire, but quickly jump into the 19th century um, because that's really where you start seeing a lot of the changes in medical practices and knowledge start changing, which leads us into how we understand medicine right. today. Um, so you'll, you'll get a little bit of that, but then We'll jump into the 19th century, early 20th Which is century. my favorite part of yes, medical I mean, history. It's, <laughs> it, it, to, say, to say it's the wild west of medicine history oh, it really is, is yeah. very like. So many snake oils, so many yes. different different treatments that some we still use today, others we, we don't. Yes, 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 and yes, yes. Yeah, so I'm very excited to see, um, I'm going to see this complete. Um, so how did you guys come up with the topic? Of this exhibit. So the old museum, I say old museum, this museum back when it was in its old building had a room section called the Hall of Medicine. Um, some of our past visitors might remember it. It had the cavemen trepanning, 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 trepanning mm -hmm. in it. Um, Astrid, the invisible woman in it. Yeah, I'm so, excited to see her too. On yes, she is coming back, um, though maybe not quite in, as, the same way. in the same way, but she'll be there. She'll <laughs> might say she's the heart. Of the mm. exhibit, <laughs> <laughs> the heart, the heart and body. Caleb likes a good dad joke, yeah. um, so you might hear a few more of yeah, those yeah, 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 in yeah. the future. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yes, just knowing that that was popular and wanting to bring that back, but not so much in a scientific way, though you'll still definitely be able to see mm -hmm. some of the science behind. But looking at it more from a historical standpoint. Mm -hmm. And seeing how our history collection can fit and add into 
that and so a little bit of the familiarity, but wanting to also show off more of our collection that we really hadn't gone to before. I love seeing what we have that we don't actually get to display all the time. Yes. Um, and hopefully in the future, we'll get to see more of the stuff uh, or at least listen about it here with things that we can't actually display, whether the conditions are. Yes. It's not great or stable to display it or we just don't have a reason to display it yet. So I'm very excited about that. Um, so. When you go through choosing objects for this exhibit specifically, what was your kind of process? Did you like see some things and like, oh, these will go together really well? Or did you, I guess my real question is, is like, did the topic come first or did the objects come first? Right. You know, that's not, that's a very good question. I'm not entirely sure. So, uh, Lee, my boss brought Mm -hmm. this to us first and had already kind of an idea of some of the, Mm -hmm objects that we wanted to put in there, like, um, a dental chair from the 1800s. Ooh, that's fun. Yes. Um, a drill, a dental drill we had, um, Astrid was already starting to be talking about. And so we kind of already knew we had these objects. And so we knew we could kind of do a, a medical thing with them, mm-hmm. but then it took going in and looking at these objects to then figure out, to figure out the overall narrative of it. So what are we going to discuss? What is, the change that we're going to be looking at right. essentially in this case, um, what information do we want to show? Because if you just say medicine, right. You go, what are we talking about? Surgery? Are we talking about drugs? Are we talking about what? There's so many different, there's so many things that topics fall into that, it. Yes, exactly. Mm-hmm. So in that case, we really had to look at what objects we had to then figure out, okay, how do these all sort of fit together? Right. How can we group them? How can we put arrange them in a way that people can come in and will understand, oh, this is why this object is here and why right. it's placed here. Um, and so in that sense, once we started looking at it and figuring out kind of the time periods mm-hmm. that we had a lot of stuff for and doing more research about what was going on during that time period, we were able to focus more in on this idea of medical knowledge and how we've practiced it. Right. Um, because as we've stated earlier, the 19th, early 20th century, it changes. I wanted to say it changes everything, but it kind of goes, we go through this weird back and forth Mm -hmm. during that time period for medical history. Um, and there are people who like, we go through like these big like changes and we find like we get these great developments and then we kind of take a weird step back. So it's kind of like going through a Renaissance and then a middle age and then a Renaissance and then a middle age. Like it's, it's kind of how, when I, at least when I research or read about medical history, that's always how I feel in that time period. Cause it always seems to like go back and forth. It's like a a wave. It's like you're, you're, you're on the right track, but then you just take, you take like one step too far and all of a sudden everything goes wrong. Yes. Um, and that's really, uh, where we start off with in the Roman empire and even really before that in the ancient Greek world, you start with humorism, mm-hmm. which uh, is this idea that you have these different bodily fluids that need to be balanced. And if they're not the balanced, four humors. yes, the four humors. Yeah. Um, and if you want to know more about it, come and see the, the exhibit. exhibit. Yeah. <laughs> Ooh, plug. Um, but yes. And so, you know, that's totally wrong. But the source we get that from Galen, uh, he did a really good job of describing like how muscles work. And so in that mm-hmm. sense, you see like, oh, you're right about that. So your other things must be true too. And right. so 
you're partially right, but you're also wrong. And when you're dealing with lives, yeah, you can't afford to really to have that, that one that part of that wrong. that's wrong. Yes. And so that's just a really good example of it. And that's the per, pervading kind of medical theory, right. medical system up until the 19 or late 1800s, early 1900s. It's so funny to see how like one, one person can make such an impact on going down that wrong path. Yes. Too. Like it, it, there are some people who would just come up with like these wild, like, I guess, hypothesis and it not obviously not being correct because it is later shown to be wrong. And it, it like leading the medical, like, path for so long yeah because it all it takes is kind of like working once or twice Mm -hmm. then all of a sudden you know the established yeah yeah, the establishment the orthodoxy gets a hold of it and is like well this has worked in the past so that must be true you're just doing it wrong or something like that and so people will hold on and hold on and hold on it's the idea too. I think like it's almost like a placebo thing where we're yeah. like they 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 feel a change or something changes and so they think it works. Yes. Whether it's a good change or a bad change, it changed something and so they think it works and so yes. so it makes it. Or even just misidentifying correct. what changed it. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, oh my goodness, this person got better because I, you know, gave him like hot water or something right. like that. But really, it's like no, you just happened to like stop like covering him so much. And so his body yeah. was able to breathe or something like that. Yeah. Uh, actually, oh, one of my favorite, I'm going to go off on a tangent here That's okay. about it. Um, <laughs> so there's a theory that um, Rasputin, mm-hmm. the crazy monk guy who uh, really influenced the czar during world war one. The reason why he was so influential was because the czar's son was, um, Oh, what's the disease where you don't stop bleeding? Um, hemophiliac. He, yeah, he was, he he was hemophiliac, um, which he got from uh, Queen Victoria. That's a whole other thing, yeah. listeners. We, we don't need to go into yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Go look it up on your own. Anyways, one of the reasons why he was possibly so influential is that when he would come back around, he would get all the doctors away from this kid. And the way that they treated uh, hemophiliac disease back in that day was to give the kid mercury, which mercury's yeah. mercury is never good to give anybody no. <laughs> um and so by doing that all of a sudden he would get better and was better and so they thought it was like an act of god but really it's just like no we just stopped hurting him hurting poisoning him, him yeah. basically and so it's that same idea of yeah you oh, think it's mercury. one thing but it's not one of those other cure-alls that was out. <laughs> yes <laughs> we yes. got a whole tangent there's a whole whole thing um so this exhibit hasn't quite been made yet. Um, so it, it, you're working on the process of getting it displayed and all that kind of thing. So what will be your steps when you, once you start the physical process of, of, um, putting, putting objects in cases or displaying it or making a floor plan. Mm-hmm. So what's kind of, what, what do you guys got to go through when you're first starting out? Yes. So we, we already have the floor plan designed. Um, and the space that we're in is I'm not going to say it's a totally long and narrow hallway, but it's mm-hmm. kind of with that feel. It has a bit of an extra space to the side. And so we're trying to leave that uh, walkway pretty clear for mm-hmm. the most part. And so keeping things up on the walls. And with that said, other than the dental chair, we have another dental cabinet and then Astrid. Um, a lot of our objects that we're bringing out aren't that big. And so we had to figure out a way to fill up that mm-hmm. space with it. And so the solution that we came up with that is to bring in these discovery cabinets. Oh, so cab- cabinet. Yeah. So cabinets that 
you can open up the drawers and look in and we'll have one with different medicine mm-hmm. from the, a lot from 1900s, um, some with medical tools like surgical tools, mm-hmm. and then one with textbooks and books from around that same time. And so the cabinets themselves act as that big piece mm-hmm. of it, but they are used in a way that allows people to still kind of move and search through the exhibit. Kind of be involved too. In yeah. The and be involved with yeah. it and look at it. Um, and then we're also on one wall going to do these very large wall vinyls. Oh, that'd of be fun. Old medical charts yeah. that we have um, from different time periods. So that way, one, it's a very cool, just visual effect, but two, that people then can then look at kind of compare and mm-hmm. contrast them and learn that way while also being like, Oh, that's a really big sign. That's very cool. <laughs> At least I think it's cool. I don't know. I I can't. I'm biased. I can't be a judge on that. Yeah. Um, so when you're going through, because you mentioned medicines. Yes. So when you're going through and looking at the different medicines that we have that are who knows how old. Yeah. And in vials and bottles and, uh-huh. and different things. What is your process of like, do you keep the medicine? Do you dispose of the medicine? Um, how do you dis- how do you go about having to deal with with substances that are a little mysterious in things that you're trying to display? Yes. So in theory, especially liquid medicines, mm-hmm. you would hope that when we re- we received them, we would have gotten rid of them just- and just kept the bottle because as cool as the medicine is, mm-hmm. it's going to deteriorate and get- well, and at that time period, who yeah, knows what's in it? Exactly. And so Going through this one, not all the bottles had been emptied. And so, you know, we had to put on gloves, masks. We have a very nice steel sink that we can dump things in. And Mm -hmm. so we had to dump and wash things out as best we could with it, um, which led through some wonderful smells. Oh, I'm sure. um, And just a very all (laughs) overall, very fun exploration of what, the body can sense from just dumping something into a sink. (laughs) Um, But it was so very fun and very cool just to see it. Um, In terms of like pill medication and Mm -hmm. things like that, some we'll get rid of, especially if it's just broken down. Some we will keep. um, When you come and see this exhibit, you'll see some of the pills still in the bottles. That's cool. Either because we just couldn't really get them out or because they weren't harming anything, they were right. just fine, and you can see it. And so you can actually see what pills might have looked like at that time. Cool. Um, so have you found like a favorite object so far that you have um, that you can kind of talk about? Yeah, I'm between two. So one I know you're going to like, and so I'll start with it because I know you're going to want to talk about <laughs> it, is the bloodletting bowl. I do you love a good bloodletting story? Yes. <laughs> So a bloodletting bowl is it's it's like a ceramic bowl Bowl. that you would drain blood into. So the process would be to make an incision on the arm or somewhere and Mm -hmm. let blood flow out of it. And it was all part of that humorism ideas, Mm -hmm. basically. And that continued from ancient Rome on until. Oh, early yeah. nineteen, it, early nineteen hundreds, right? It's been in history. Like it's been in it's been in history for a very long time. Like more more recent than I think most people yeah. are like honestly comfortable with. There's a um, there's a good chance George Washington might have mm-hmm. died because he was overbled. Yeah, I want to say. 
um, just because we were not sure really what at the time was. Um, that's a really fun story. You should go and look, definitely look that up. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, like this very kind of you would think almost ancient practice that goes on mm-hmm. until the modern day. Right. Um, and in this bowl that is very beautifully made, like is like a ceramic bowl with nice flowers and mm-hmm. but like, no, it's it's there to drain blood but, into. Well, they have this. Um, um, not not part of our collection, just to preface that. But I've I've seen like they also have these different like tools. Once you get further into um, like more recent history, that these they're almost like on automatic bloodlet. We do have them in our collection. Oh, do we? Yes, they will be on display. Oh, that's exciting. Yes. So like they have these weird automatic bloodletting tools that make the incision, mm-hmm. so that they can they don't have to do it themselves. Yeah. And it, I don't know that it was safer or anything, but I know that they have these tools that were automatic. Well, I, I want to say too, like, especially during the Renaissance era, when you get plague doctors or traveling yes. doctors like that, mm-hmm. they would do bloodletting, but they would get infected. And mm-hmm. so then they would have to come back and pay more. And yep. it was a bit of like a, a scam type thing. Yeah. It sometimes feels that way, doesn't yeah, it? Yeah, it does. And I'm sure it was used that way by some people at yes. some point in history. Yes. That is the, that is the really tricky thing about medical history is that you do get these people who are legitimately trying to help and save people, but just the, just the information that they're working is just not right. And so they sometimes do more harm than good. Yes. Um, so it's unfortunate, but we did, we read a whole book on that for a book club. We did. Yes. Uh, so our museum has a book club called cover to cover. It's a lunchtime, um, book club for our older audience. Um, and we read about president Garfield and his whole um ordeal at ordeal the hands of surgeons and doctors who just would not leave him alone yes um and so that that's another like uh example in history of, of, of just kind of stop touching people and yeah. you might have done a better job exactly yeah <laughs> look at you look at you plug-in programs i know me too we're both on a roll today. we are today um but yes so cover to cover if you're interested um we read non-fiction uh, history books mostly mostly his we do we've done some science but it's usually a history based um, but yes so that is your have you found like what have in your process so far has there been like kind of a like least favorite thing you've had to deal with oh least favorite no you haven't had the hard lifting yet haven't, i know that for sure i haven't had that and we shouldn't have it either in theory um No, honestly, this is one of those exhibits that, you know, I'm always excited about what we have in it. But the more I found the things we had and did our research, the more Mm -hmm. I was like, this is really cool that we have this this stuff, stuff. like especially the medication and Mm -hmm. the tools that I have found. Um, Oh, I I mentioned two favorite things. I only said one. Oh, you did. Because we got too distracted on the blood lane. Yes, we did. The other one is a microscope from like the Civil War era, oh, like really? 1860s. Yeah. So that's right around the time that um, John Lister would have made his right. achromatic one. So I'm not sure if this one is achromatic or not, or one based off of the earlier design. Um, but that's right around the time that, you know, he's using that to discover germs and mm-hmm. how they interact. And you get germ theory, which is the basis for almost all of our modern medicine now. And was not believed for so, so long. Yes. So long. Yes. If you ever are interested in that, that's a very interesting topic. It is. Yes. And so 
I, I love that because it's such a, like, it captures the time mm-hmm. so well, like, oh, that's a really important invention that was leading to this very important discovery that big, big deal. Yeah. Yeah. A very big deal. Um, and it's like, you don't really think of, cause he was one of the first people to start like washing his hands and, and, yeah. uh, and well, he did before he did surgery and changing his clothes. He was kind of a, when it, when it comes to surgery, yeah. yeah, he was, you have some other like, um, Pasteur and Koch yeah. that are doing other research into mm-hmm. microorganisms and things like that. Um, but in terms of like surgery, yeah, Lister yes. really is the one who starts going, hey, maybe we shouldn't just leave people out in the open with yeah. open wounds. And, and maybe we should change our yeah. our, uh, our aprons after we yeah, do yeah, surgery. Yeah, yeah, yeah. There was someone else. I forget his name and I apologize to um, him. Is he, is he in the exhibit? Uh, this person I'm about to talk about? Mm-hmm. I don't remember. Oh, well, maybe the, he'll be in the exhibit. Maybe he will be in the exhibit. Yeah. <laughs> Our listeners can go and look at this exhibit. You can also cut out this part because I went on a tangent and can't remember it. (laughs) I'll leave it in because it's a little humorous. Yes. Um, So do you, do you, would you want to go on with the story? Yes. Uh, This guy, (laughs) he was the first one to start advocating for washing of hands because he was working in a maternity ward Mm -hmm. and there was a lot of infant deaths. And he realized that part of the problem was doctors going straight from the morgue to the delivery room and spreading germs that way. And so he started implementing a policy of washing hands and infant death rates went from like like 50 percent to like 0.3 percent. Oh, wow. Just from doing that. I don't don't quote me exactly on those numbers, but but it was that drastic of a drop. Um, And so. That's really where you first start getting washing hands and then Lister kind of picks up, picks on, up it. on that. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yes. That's awesome. Well, um, when you, when do you think, when, when is this uh, exhibit supposed to be on display? So we're hoping by mid September, I think September 18th will be the first day. It'll be, the goal. it'll be open to the public. Um, yes. Uh, so depending on when this comes out, it may or may not already be open. I don't mm-hmm. know what your plan on is for it, yeah. but it should be on up until the next year. Um, like our weapons exhibit and clothing exhibit, this is all from our own collection. So we can have it up as long as we want to. So I would say easily it should still be up through spring, if not summer. Oh, um, that'd be nice. Yeah. But yeah. keep posted on all of Fort Worth. Science Museum of Science and History's social media accounts to find out. Yeah, yeah. Look at it. Well, thanks so much, Caleb, for coming out and telling us about a new exhibit that should be out soon. Oh. Um, and thank you for listening to our podcast about um, our new exhibit. And we hope to see you soon at the museum. Have a great day. Yeah, have a great day, guys. Bye.